Sundays, we've been preaching out, uh, we've been preaching out of 1 Samuel on the life of David, and on Wednesdays, we've been trying to do a series of messages in the book of Jonah on the life of Jonah, and so um, would you open your precious Bible tonight to the book of Jonah? We're still in chapter 1. And uh, we're just making our way right through this, and uh, we're actually going to be mainly primarily in verse 17, so we have gotten to the last verse of the first chapter, and we've had several messages, I think this is our fifth message, maybe sixth, on the book of Jonah. And uh, just for the sake of time tonight, uh, we won't read all of the first chapter, but we know that Jonah finally came clean, got honest here, told him who he was, and he told him, he said, look... I'm the reason why this storm is going on and your life is in peril. So let's pick up in verse 12. And he said unto them, Take me up and cast me forth into the sea. So shall the sea be calm unto you. For I know that for my sake this great tempest is upon you. Now I want you to think about the, the, the sobering, sobering thought. That's a sobering thought to know. He didn't say I think. He said, I know that this storm is because of me and the decision I've made. Now, I want you to think about that. Then the Bible says in verse 13, nevertheless, the men rode hard to bring it to the land. So even though Jonah told them, they said, look, it's me. They were still trying to do everything they could to save their lives. But they could not. For the sea wrought and was tempestuous against them. Wherefore, they cried unto the Lord and said, We beseech thee, O Lord, we beseech thee, let us not perish for this man's life. And lay not upon us innocent blood, for thou, O Lord, hast done as it pleased thee. So they took up Jonah and cast him forth unto the sea, and the sea ceased from raging. And then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice unto the Lord and made vows. I don't know about you, but what I preached on last Wednesday was uh, there was a revival that took place in this storm. These men, because of what was going on, the Bible said that they were they feared the Lord. Isn't that revival? Fearing the Lord. And then the Bible says they, they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. Now verse 17. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish Three days and three nights. Heavenly Father, I pray you'll help us tonight. Do what only you can do. Speak to our hearts. Help us, please. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, how thankful. When I read this, um, how thankful we should be. Now, this doesn't seem like something that Jonah should be thankful for. But later on, we know he prays in the belly of this whale. He is thankful because he said, I give a prayer of thanksgiving. But I want to just say... I think we miss it at the time, but I want to say to you tonight how thankful we should be that there is divine intervention in our life. Whether we like it or not, we ought to be thankful for the divine intervention. No, listen, here's why. None of us would be saved if God would not have stepped into our lives. Divine intervention, and he stepped in to Jonah's life here. By the way, none of us would be saved without divine intervention. Conviction of the Holy Spirit of God. Jeremiah chapter 11 or chapter 31 says this in verse 3. The Lord hath appeared of old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. Drawn thee. 
Now what's he doing here? I'm going to tell you what he's doing in the life of Jonah. It don't look too fun, but what he's doing is he's drawing Jonah. He's drawing Jonah unto himself. Now he had to take great lengths to do it, but he's doing it. And I'm thankful we sometimes look at something like this in our life and we only want to see the dark storm. We only want to see the trouble or the tragedy. But we must understand it's God that loves us. He's trying to draw us to himself and he, inter- he, he divinely intercedes into our life. We see this here in the life of Jonah. The book of Proverbs uses this phrase all the way through it, the simple man, the simple man, the simple, the simple. What is that? It's described as one who is caught uh, in the middle. In other words, they're reacting to what is going on around in their life. They're reacting to the things going on in their life with really no direction for their own life. And to be fair, the word simple also means this, and I thought this interesting, it means space. Or room. In other words, there's still room for that simple person to decide, and they're kind of giving space for things. And what happens is when people give space and they're not completely allowing the Lord to lead their life, then they're easily influenced. Now, God still loves the simple. He has a plan for that simple person's life. By the way, I was a simple man. There was a time in my life that I had a lot of space. I had a lot of room. And it certainly wasn't filled up with the Lord. But I want to say, uh, listen to what the Word says in the Psalm uh, chapter 116. The Lord preserveth the simple. I was brought low. And He helped me. Wait a minute. He brought me low. Yeah, that's when you can get help. That's when you recognize you need the help when He brings us low. Then the Bible said, He preserveth the simple. I was brought low, and He helped me. Return into thy rest, O my soul, for the Lord hath dealt bountifully with thee. For thou hast delivered my soul from death, mine eyes from tears, and my feet from falling. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. By the way, the reason I read that verse is Jonah was a simple man. He was acting like a simple man here. And he was desperate. And he was desperate for a second chance. And I am so very thankful that our great God gives him one. And by the way, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if you stand in need of a second chance, he's got you. I don't know about you. That's one of the reasons why I am even preaching through this book. I wanted to get to chapter 2 and chapter 3 so quick. I'm telling you right now, it ain't even funny. Now, we've taken our time getting there, but I've been wanting to get to this chapter uh, uh, so quickly in chapter 3. And the word, verse 1, and the word of the Lord came into Jonah the second time. I want to get there. But even before we get there, we know Even though God has prepared this fish, God has given Jonah a second chance. Now let's look at a few things in verse 17. I want you to notice this is an amazing verse to me. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish. So we see a divine preparation. Does God divinely prepare things? Absolutely. Can I just say this? And I'm getting ahead of myself just a little bit. There's no coincidences with God. Now... 
Look what the Bible says. Jonah 1.17. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah. You know, it's a good thing that God is always one step ahead of us. And by the way, he's a lot farther than one step. The psalmist tells us in Psalm 40, verse 17, But I am poor and needy, yet the Lord thinketh upon me. Thou art my help and my deliverer. Make my tarrying, O my God. Now, I do love the sovereignty of God, and I want you to notice, we find from this passage of Scripture, with God preparing a fish, we find this. We find that God's plan is predetermined. Now, I am very thankful. The message tonight is just simply this. The powerful plan of God. The powerful plan of God. Here's what I mean by that. God knows who we were. God knows what we're going to look like. God knew uh, what he, and he knows what he wants for our lives. By the way, the Bible tells us in the Old Testament that he wanted what he wanted for our lives, he wanted for us even before we were born. The Bible tells us in the Old Testament here in the book of Jeremiah of Psalm, notice Psalm chapter 139, and I'll read it here for you. For thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect. And yet in thy book all my members were written which in continuance were fashioned when as yet there was none of them. How precious also are the thoughts unto me, O God, how great is the sum of them. You know what? We may not uh, always see God's work or sense His presence in our lives, but I want you to know something. That does not mean that He has abandoned us. He never has. He never will. And I'm thankful that God's plan, think about it here, he prepared this fish. The powerful plan of God. So could you imagine if he prepared a fish to be at the right place at the right time for Jonah? Can you imagine in our lives what all he's prepared? What all he has allowed? What all he has lined up through the angles of our life and through our time. And I look back through my life and I see the very detailed handiwork of God to where might some people would say, oh, that was just a coincidence, Brother Mark. Oh, no, it was the perfect, powerful plan of God. It's unexplainable. It's unexplainable. I think about it now. I want you to notice when we think about the perfect plan of God, we understand that He is able, and we know that He directs all things. And so we see here in this passage of Scripture, I want you to notice that He also said in the book of Job, notice what He said, Behold, I go forward, but He is not there, and backward, but I cannot perceive Him. On the left hand, where He doth work, but I cannot behold Him. He hideth Himself on the right hand, that I cannot see Him. But He knoweth the way that I take. When He hath tried me, I shall come forth... As gold. Now, 
Jonah didn't understand everything, but I'm going to tell you something. Jonah understood quite a bit for him to be able to tell these men, look, I want you to know we're in this peril. And he didn't say, I think we're in this peril because of me. He said, I know that you are in this peril because of me. He said in verse number 12, and he said unto them, take me up and cast me forth into the sea, so shall the sea be common to you, for I know that for my sake this great tempest is upon you. Now think about this. Now go in reference with the verse that I just quoted. The Bible says that he says, when he tries me, I shall come forth as gold. Now I don't know if Jonah completely understood everything. And I can't say to you that in my darkest trials and my darkest storms, I certainly didn't understand this as well when I was younger. But now that I've matured a little bit as a Christian, I understand God does try us. When we go through these storms of life, this is where God really wants to hone in and put the sharpening edges on our Christian life. Now that's not a painless process. It's not one without certainly human anxiety. I mean, could you imagine being here on this ship? Jonah didn't know there was a fish prepared. He just looked at these men and said, look, if you want it to stop, you need to cast me from the sea. And I don't know, I can't speak for Jonah, but for him to be able to look at those men and say, look, it's because of me. I don't know what Jonah was thinking, but I know this, I think he was thankful for that great fish. Because the alternative of that was death. But obviously he was, a, he was prepared to meet death, if that's what he was prepared. But here's what's beautiful about it. No matter whatever Jonah thought about it, listen to me, here's what I want to encourage you. No matter what you think, no matter what I think, God already knows. And he tells us that when we are tried, he will bring us for this goal. He doesn't allow storms and struggles. Even in our sin, he's trying to draw us back to him. That's beautiful. That's a love that will not let us go. Now that's sometimes the same as you think about a parent and a child. I didn't understand my parents loved me so much. But my parents used to say to me all the time, my mother especially, now look, this hurts me. I hate to have to whip you. And I think, well, why do you have to hate it so bad, dear? But she would tell me all the time, and Kim's my witness, she'd say, but I do this because I love you. I never understood that. I said, what kind of love is that? But she, I understand, it's because she loved me. And you know what? I've said the same thing to my children. A love that won't let you go. A love that wants more for you than what you want for yourself. See, a child doesn't see that. And oh, in the mighty eyes of God and our Heavenly Father, we're like little children so many times. And He has to love, He has to put us through. You know, um, <laughs> I know y'all are amazed. I am too. I'm kind of shocked that I wake up every morning to the sound of a whimpering dog. Because I can promise you that wasn't in the plans. And that little booger is stubborn. And I had a little round with him today. And I, and I, I got to thinking about it and I said, I'm certainly not that dog's daddy. And I told Laura, don't be calling me that. Oh, there's daddy. I ain't that dog's daddy. Papa, hey, but listen, a dog, I mean, it's amazing. you got to train them. And they're not like children, but you still got to train them. And I want to tell you something I found out about dogs. they got a wheel. And I'm telling you right now, that dog ain't gotten nowhere near the wheel we have. 
And uh, you know what? The Lord says, here's what he says to us. And this is what he was doing in the life of Jonah. But he knoweth the way that I take. When he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. That's why he prepared the fish. This is the perfect plan of God. Now, it wasn't the perfect plan for Jonah, but Jonah should have listened. Jonah should have obeyed. But even though God still has a plan and it was prepared, then I want you to notice this. God's plan is predominant. Why is it that we think that our plans are better than God's? Jonah did it. And we do it all the time. I hear ourselves say it all the time. I've heard myself say it. Here's what we'll say. Well, I know, but... Or, well, I know God said this, but here's, here it is. But I think he'll understand. No, he won't. Un- he does understand. I could imagine if this was a contemporary today, if, if God spoke audibly to someone today, I can hear them come to me and say, well, now, Pastor Mark, I just want to tell you, God told me to go to Nineveh, but you know what? I just didn't feel like going there today, so I just got on the boat to Joppa and it was okay. Well, we find out that it wasn't okay. We found out that God, no. He says, no, it's not what I want you to do. Not only for the people's sake of Nineveh, but he loved Jonah. He wanted what best for Jonah. So we see that God's plan is dominant. But why do we as humans think our plans are better? Every mom and dad, you know what we think? We think our plans are better for our children than God's. Got quiet. You say, well, how do you know that, Pastor? Well, because we're always trying to tell our children what they should be doing instead of training them in the way they should go. The way God, what God has created them for. But we see that God's plan is predominant. Can I ask you this? If his plans, why do we always think that our plans are better? Here's the question. Has he ever been unfaithful to us? Has he ever failed to come through on a promise that he's promised us? Has he ever forsaken us? Look, I can't say that about humans. I can't even say that about myself. He's never forsaken me. His plan is predominant. The Bible says, this is one of my favorite psalms. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delighteth in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down. Thank God for that promise. Boy, people will cast you down. By the way, I'll cast you down, but I'm going to tell you right now, God won't cast you down. The Bible says, for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. I have been young and now I'm old, yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. You know what God's desire is? We find it over there in the book of Colossians. You know what he's trying to do in the life of Jonah? You know what he's trying to prepare and his plan is predominant? You know what it is? It's this simple. That Christ might have the preeminence. That's it. You say, Pastor Mark, what is that? That's first claim. That verse over there in Colossians chapter number 1 verse 18. Hey, that's first claim. That he might have the preeminence. He wasn't interested in Jonah going down to Joppa. He wanted him to do what God, what he told him to do because he wanted first claim in Jonah's life and he wants first claim in our lives. Why? Because his way's perfect. <clears throat> he knows what's best for us, whether we like it or understand it or even know it ourselves. So God's plan is predominant. 
You know, the Bible tells us that when God is first, we have nothing to worry about. You say, oh, pastor, I didn't say there wasn't going to be troubles. I didn't say there were going to be problems, tragic things happen. But notice what the Bible says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Everyone knows that verse. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto thee. I want you to think about it in this verse. We see God's powerful plan. He prepared a fish. Then I want you to notice this. There was a pliability here, a flexibility or a, or a submissiveness here. And it wasn't from Jonah. Now, y'all stay with me just a second. Look in verse 17. Now, the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah. Now, here's what I kind of picked out on this. One of the great abilities that God's looking for is pliability or moldability or submissiveness. You know, in Jeremiah chapter 18, he said, let's go down to the potter's house. And he likened Israel to the clay, wanting to be moldable clay. Are you workable clay? Am I workable clay? So for us to be moldable in the hand of the potter, we must be pliable. Well, I can promise you this. We haven't seen any so far in the life of Jonah. But I'm going to tell you where we do see it. Are you all ready? In a fish. We have to look at a fish to see some submissiveness or some pliability. And here's why. You think that fish just happened to be meandering along with a storm up to the surface of the water right there near that boat. No, we know that God said he prepared a fish. So that fish was in the hand of God to be pliable, to be able to work out the mighty, wonderful works of God. I can't help but when I look back here and I see the Gilly family, do you know what? I think God uses dogs. You say, Pastor Mark, why do you think that? Well, I know you've shared this, but I'm going to say this for the Schneiders. Uh, uh, this might be something that you can use somewhere down the road. But this past year, we have a dear little fella. He's over here. His mom and dad are sitting right back there. He had three brain bleeds. He aspirated. Early in the morning at home, the dog wakes up. Barks, wakes the mother up, normally never does that, but of course the dog knew the child was in trouble, and the dog woke up mom, mom went in her check room, and it just happened to happen right after Stone aspirated, they got him to the emergency room, they found out that he was aspirated, and he had a brain bleed, and by that next few days he had two more. A walking miracle. And I'm sitting there in that emergency room with T.C. Thompson with the mom and dad and those doctors telling them everything under the sun. I'm just their pastor. I can't imagine what they're thinking. And here's all I can think. Dear God, and they told me the story about the dog. I said, Lord, it, why would you let that dog wake that mother up? I said, Lord, you've got to spare this child's life. Y'all might think I'm crazy. Call me crazy. But if he can prepare a fish, he can wake a dog up. To wake a mama up to make sure that a child's life is spared. You say, oh, it's just a coincidence. What, an awful mighty good? Or... Now, I want you all to know something right now. I believe that God, we all know, all. the Bible tells us in Psalm 119.91 that all are thy servants, Lord. I believe he allowed this fish to be prepared, we're about to see a great ex a, a, a life of pliability in a fish because we certainly wasn't seeing it in the life of Jonah. So let me just show you this or talk to you about this a minute. I believe this was an omnipotent coincidence. <laughs> to man, it might 
appear that it's merely just a coincidence. I've heard that all my life. Oh, what a coincidence. That a fish just happened to be swimming by. Oh, yeah, just swam by. Just happened at that right time. And Jonah was tossed overboard right at that particular time. But there's no coincidences with God. By the way, whether it was a boy with a sling or a boy with a lunch, think about it. One boy in the whole crowd that had a little lunch wasn't big enough really to feed two people. Nowhere near 5,000 plus people, but yet God wasn't surprised. What a divine coincidence. Can I say we see a coincidence here? Look, they're all part of God's perfect and wonderful plan. And that's what makes it perfect and wonderful and powerful. Then I want you to notice this, an obedient creation. You know what? We can learn a lot from creation. Here's the verse in the book of Job. The Bible says, but ask now the beasts and they shall teach thee and the fowls of the air and they shall tell thee or speak to the earth and it shall teach thee and the fishes of the sea shall declare unto thee. Who knoweth not in all these that the hand of the Lord hath wrought this? And whose hand is the soul of every living thing and the breath of all Mankind. You know what? You know what God marvels at? And I, I've started to marvel at it myself. God marvels that so much of his creation is obedient to his will. While man, us, struggles with it. Go figure that. Mark Twain encountered a ruthless businessman from Boston during his travels who boasted that nobody ever got in his way once he determined to do something. And here's what he said. He said, before I die, I mean to take a pilgrimage to the Holy Land. I'm going to climb Mount Sinai, and when I'm up there, I'm going to read the Ten Commandments aloud at the top of my voice. Unimpressed, Mark Twain responded. He said, I got a better idea for you. Won't you stay in Boston and keep them? That'd do us a whole lot better too, amen? You know, we want to talk about how much we know. And you know what? I'm about tired of hearing it. I get tired of hearing people boast and tell me how much they know and, oh, they knew that and, oh, I know what that means and I understand that and, oh, I know, I've done that or, you know, everybody's got answers for all this. They know it all, but here's what I'm asking. What are you doing with it? What are you doing? All of that knowledge and not helping somebody with it, it's going to waste. You can quote every, you can memorize every verse in the Bible, but if you don't live it and tell it and talk to people about it, it's waste. Oh, we love to talk. We love to talk how much we know and what we've done and everything. But my question is, just like he said, here's what I'm going to go do. No, Twain just said, no, why don't you just stay here and do them? I learned something. Talk don't get nothing done. Amen. I know God's plan for us. By the way, as soon as Jonah hits that ground here after here a while after chapter three, I'm going to tell you all right now, he wasn't talking no more. His little feet was moving towards Nineveh. Quick. So we see there is a pliability. I just I, I kind of 
snicker a little bit to think that we had to see it in a fish when we should have seen it in the man of God because he was the preacher that was supposed to go to Nineveh to preach against sin. And then quickly as I last as I end, there is a prophecy here. I love the ending of this. Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Now, isn't that a coincidence? <laughs> but now I hope that all of us realize this, that nothing happens that's recorded in God's word by accident. Now, we know that this is a type. The Old Testament is filled with types, pictures. By the way, I just preached on one last Sunday. Not this Sunday, but last Sunday. I preached on the friendship of Jonathan David. That's a beautiful type of our heavenly friend. Jonathan interceded for him. He sacrificed for him. He loved him as his own soul. It's a beautiful type of our heavenly friend, the Lord Jesus Christ. We see another type right here speaking of the beautiful picture of the Lord's uh, crucifixion and burial. We see that it's a type. The brazen serpent in Exodus was a type picturing Christ being lifted up on a cross according to God's plan. And we see right here three days and three nights. Jesus points to the picture of Jonah in the whale. Look in Matthew, or I'll just read it to you. Matthew chapter 12 verse 40. For as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. What a beautiful... Again, you say, man, can all of these little things be true? Absolutely, when your planner is the powerful God. And then I can say there's a beautiful timetable here. Three days and three nights here in the book of Jonah may seem insignificant, but we know it's indeed prophetic. It's prophetic. And it's the time that Jesus Christ would spend in the tomb. Mark chapter 10. Verse 33, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man shall be delivered unto the chief priests and unto the scribes, and they shall condemn him to death, and shall deliver him to the Gentiles, and they shall mock him, and shall scourge him, and shall spit upon him, and shall kill him, and the third day he shall rise again. See, Satan thought he had defeated Jonah. By the way, Satan thought he had defeated Jesus. But after the three days of celebrating, let me tell you that tonight the devil's victory parade turned into a defeat in both occasions. <laughs> so here's my application as I close tonight, and this is where we're trying to get to. I don't know where you are tonight. I don't know if you're living defeated, but I want to just say to you, you don't have to be. I'm going to tell you why. The very story of Jonah is an absolutely beautiful picture because here you are. If you're living a defeated life today, remember, God gives second chances. And all God's people said, Tomorrow, praise God, is a clean slate. Now I want to tell you something. Here's what the devil will do and some people will do. They'll kick you down and they'll keep trying to remind you of where you went wrong. But I want you to know something based on Jonah's life. God is working in his life. He's putting through this. He prepared this fish because he wants to give Jonah a second chance. Just as he will us. You say, Pastor Mark, how can that help me? You say, well, I'm not, I don't need the second chance. Well, hold on, you're going to. 
And number two, if you don't need to right now, here's what you should be going out. You ought to find somebody out here that's living a defeated life because they feel like they're not good enough to get saved or they feel like they've done too much that they can't serve God. You need to go give them a message of hope that we have a God that loves anyhow and will forgive them and restore them because though their sins be as scarlet, they shall be washed white as snow. Now, I don't know about y'all. If that's not a victory march to leave this building tonight, we don't have one. Because you know what? Here's what the world teaches. Oh, you, you mess up, you're done. No, you're not done. Let God help you. He can, he can make you more powerful than you've ever been. By the way, Jonah went and preached that message over there. And boy, the whole city got saved. And I mean, even the president. The head honcho of the most powerful city in the then known world. Bible says that he repented in sackcloth and ashes. I'm going to tell you right now, Jonah got the power back. And y'all just wait till you read and see, and I'm sure you've read it, but we're going to dissect that prayer. That thing's beautiful. In this fish's belly, it's a powerful, powerful thing. And I thank God tonight we have a God with a powerful plan. Amen. Let's stand to our feet and we'll be dismissed tonight. I'm thankful. I am very thankful that we have and can know the powerful plan of God. With head bowed and eyes closed tonight, let's ask God to try to help us to take all this in. Look, everywhere you go, people are defeated and discouraged. We have hope. Start spreading it. Let's pray for the Snyders and all the work of BIMI. That's what they're doing. They're spreading hope. Let's ask God to bless and help their ministry. And let's ask God to help us, wherever we might go, that we'll give a message of hope. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your goodness, for your grace. And Lord, as we read this story, it looks bad. A man being tossed over. Fish being prepared. And Lord, I couldn't imagine what all was going on in the heart and the life of Jonah at that moment. But Lord, we know in a little bit as we continue to read that passage that he was very thankful that you spared his life and that you got a hold of him. And Lord, it might have been painful. Like in many times, you have to try us. It's not always a painless process. But Lord, we ought to be thankful that you love us to intervene in our lives. And Lord, you do intervene because you love us. Lord, you do have to sometimes use your creation because you love us. And Lord, maybe some might think, well, that's a coincidence, but Lord, I'm thankful that it's your providence all because you love us and you love us too much to let us go. I pray you'll help us to just enter into all of it and love you more for it. We thank you for it. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have a great night. Make sure you let the Snyders know it's good to see them. Invite, or shake somebody's hand tonight. Tell them it's good to see them. Amen.